Welcome back, podcasters. This is Mr. Stroud's History Class. And before I get started with the third group of Native American Indians in Texas, I want to mention the way I would do tests because there are some of you podcasters that may want to take a test and see how well you know all of this. Now, have you noticed since we've done the Quatican and the Crankwall, have you noticed any differences? Similarities. So this is what I told them the first day of class and reminded them from time to time. That the test would be like this. We're going to put up at the top of the page each tribe. Quaitikin. Crankwall. Caddo. Kiowa. Comanche. A, B, C, D, E. And then they're going to be 50 statements or questions. Now what they're going to do is this. I hope they've noticed there are some characteristics about these tribes, these people. But have you noticed that there's some differences? The differences are the Quietican and the Crankwall. Just those two tribes. So what I told them was this. The answer I want is which tribe did what. These 50 things are true of only one tribe. Let's say that again. True of only one tribe. Easy. For example, question. Which tribe meant dog lovers? Which tribe was natives of Kohila? Understand? That's just an example. Oh, it's so easy. And the reason I did this was to emphasize that although they lived in roughly the same historical period, prehistorical period in some case, although they all lived in what we call now the great state of Texas and about the same, they were different and they were alike. So, Keeping that in mind, if you want to take the test when we get through with all this, you just let me know by emailing me at jarhead, yes, jarhead, dvs, at gmail.com, and I will send it to you. Now, why am I telling you that now? Because I want to make you aware of some differences. That's what I'm looking for. And since I'm looking at differences, here is a difference, Okay. This next group of Native American Texas Indians that we're going to do go down as Caddo, C-A-D-D-O. Let's just get started. What does that name mean? It means important, important leader or important chief. Important leader or important chief. Caddo, C-A-D-D-O. The Spanish originally called them, and you have to forgive my East Texan, Ghetto Chi. Ghetto Chi. K A D O A C H E. But us East Texans had difficulty saying that, so we just called them Ghetto. Difference. Hang on, podcasters. These were the most advanced Indians in Texas. I would have great difficulty 
finding what Indians anywhere were more advanced than them? I mean, one comes to mind, the Aztec, perhaps. But here we go, here we go. We're not going to do that. How advanced were they? Oh, podcasters. Oh, podcasters. They were so advanced that when they were first seen by a conquistador expedition, some of the survivors of the DeSoto expedition, when I had students in class and I did the Caddo, I would draw a makeshift graph. I'd get up to that whiteboard, originally blackboards with a piece of chalk or a marker, and I would make a point. And then, in my truly artistic style, I would start going up and up and up and up and up and up and up. Then I get on my tippy toes up, up, and then I start coming down. And when I got about halfway down, bam, that's where I stopped. Because what that represents is this. That's where the cattle were when the conquistadors found them. Now, because this is only in your mind, your imagination, when they found them, they were the most advanced Indians in Texas by leaps and bounds, but nowhere as advanced as what they once were. We can only guess at what they once were. Now, when they make contact with them, that's the Indian I'm going to tell you about. That's the cattle. So here we go again. How advanced were they? The Caddo are also known as mound builders. M-O-U-N-D, mound builders. Now if you're going to SFA and you are a lumberjack, you might be familiar with Mound Street. Go out on Mound Street, and unless something has changed, you're going to see a little mound with a historical marker. When I saw it many years ago, it was a little bitty mound. Podcasters. That's not a mound, that's a pile of dirt. You want to see a mound? Get in your car. Head as if you're going to College Station. Go to Alto. Go a little past Alto and go to the Caddo Indian Museum. Look at the arrowheads, look at the pottery, look at all that stuff. And then go out back. And you're going to see two things. You're going to see a mound. How tall were these mounds? If you go to Kilgore College, or have you been to Kilgore College, and you took Old Main Think about that building. Two stories. Think of it like a rectangle. Walk from one end to the other, go up the elevator, go up the stairs, now get up on top of that building. You can't do it, but just pretend you could. You know what you've just done? You've gotten on a building the same size as a cattle mound. Now hold that thought. Today, if you want a mound built, you get someone's got a backholder, bulldozer. You think the cattle had backholders and you know darn well they did not have those things. So when you were a cattle, let's say 
200 years before Columbus in 1492. And you wanted to build a mound that huge? How'd you do it? Get your shovel. It's a stick. And you start digging. Hopefully you have some help. Podcasters, have you ever dug a hole? Dig a hole to get enough dirt to get a mound as large as Old Main at Kilgore College. If you're not familiar with Old Main, get a mound big enough that's too... How long would that take? Podcasters, there are all types of little signs in these things I'm just telling you. First off, why were the Quatican not nearly as advanced as the Caddo? When we first started, I gave you one word. That when I tell you something about the Native American Indians that you find unbelievable, could not be true, why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why did they do that? What was that word? What could it be? Do I hear survival? Survival? Quietican spent every day they were, uh, every day of the week and every moment of that day looking for food. Crank wall were not much better. What does it tell you that a group of people could take people and give them sticks to dig a hole deep enough to have a mound the size of the L.A. building? You know what that tells me? What it tells archaeologists? Their survival is so assured they can take people and have them just dig a hole. Just dig a hole and stack it up over here. Not only were they assured of survival, they had plenty of time to dig holes and do other things. People, that's assuredness of survival. And they also had specialization of tasks and things like that. So these are the Caddo, the most advanced Indians in Texas. Now I'm going to tell you a story. Some of you may not know who this guy was, this man, this person who was a Dallas Cowboy quarterback. I'm going to say that again. He was a Dallas Cowboy quarterback before Troy Aikman, before Roger Starback. He had a nickname, Dandy Don. He was from Mount Vernon, Texas. There's even a little museum there in Mount Vernon, Texas. And his name was Don Meredith, and his nickname was Dandy. Dandy Don. Dandy Don Meredith. When he got through playing football, he became one of the three originators of Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football. Watching a game on one Monday night, they were playing, I think, Seattle. Who were they? I don't remember. And one of the teams was getting ready to kick a field goal. Now, if you watch football, you know there cannot be much airtime that no one is talking. And so, while they're getting ready to kick the field goal, Dandy Don Meredith says this. 
The field goal kicker is from Stephen F. Austin State College. That's what it was then. They haven't kicked the field goal yet. He says that's in Nacogdoches, Texas. Now, the way Nacogdoches came about, Danny Don says, was this. These were the Caddo Indians. And one time, before Columbus, there were so many Indians, there wasn't not enough food to go around. So the wise old Caddo chief told his two sons, Nacogdoches and Nacogdoches, to take their followers in opposite directions for so many days and then make a new village and a new life there. One son stopped in what is now present-day Natchitoches, Louisiana, and the other one stopped, yes, where? Nacogdoches, Texas, and that's how Natchitoches and Nacogdoches came about. Kicked the field goal. I would imagine it was good. Not a word of truth in all of what Dandy Don said. That's bachelor science degree, people. That's a legend. That's a myth. How did Nacogdoches and Nacogdoches come about? Caddo. These advanced Indians were so advanced, they numbered in the thousands. They lived in three confederacies. Not a tribe. Three confederacies. Each one divided into tribes, and you count all the tribes. There were more than 36 tribes of cattle. East Texas, Western Louisiana, Oklahoma, Arkansas. Just draw a circle there. That's where they were, and there were a lot of them. They were so advanced that they had specialization of tasks. And by the way, before I forget, Natchitoches and Nacogdoches happened to be tribes in these three confederacies. That's what they were. That's where the names came from. They were so advanced they had specialization of tasks. Other Texas Indians didn't. If you were Coatican, it didn't matter what you wanted to be. You looked for food, and you were a warrior. If you were a crank wall, no one asks you, what are you going to be, little boy, when you grow up? We know exactly what you're going to be. But with the Caddo, yes. And what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, what are the choices? You could be a farmer. You want to be a farmer? They were expert farmers, people. Look at that population and the amount of food they had to grow. And boy, could they do it. Now, when they farmed, the husbands and the wives did it together. The men and women went to the fields together, and they farmed together. Other Indians would never have done that if you were a male, but they did it. They were expert. They also had made expert pottery. They were expert tanners. Take the leather and use deer and buffalo brains to soften it. They were such expert pottery makers and tanners that other tribes would send people to them to trade for that stuff. So you might want to do that. You might want to go in the military. You might want to be a warrior. Now I want to tell you something about the Caddo warriors that is so different from all these others. If they went into battle and they decided that they would be safer to run away, they could do that. 
and they lost no status. No status. If they were running from a battle, and my analogy, my little example would be an enemy warrior would throw a war club at him. He ducks, the war club goes past his ear. He picks it up and he comes back. That is now a prized war trophy. He has absolutely lost no status in running away. Now we can misread this. We can read too much into this. But I guarantee you they would fight. They would do that. But here's something else that the cattle did. When I was young, I was told you cannot make an Indian cry. Call him anything you want, he's not going to cry. You can hit him on the head and he's not going to cry. You can do absolutely nothing to an Indian. Never met a cattle because they cried all the time. Men, women, children, they cried. They cried when someone came that they had never seen before. They cried when people left and they had to say goodbye. They cried when people died. They cried, they cried, they cried, and they cried before they killed you. Now, psychologists have said that this is good. That what's wrong with the man, men in our society, is that we are taught that we have to be macho. We got to be tough. You cannot shed a tear. Can't do that. And so psychiatrists say men hold their emotions in. They never let them out. Well, the Caddo did. They let them out, people. Now, if you go to the Caddo Indian Museum near Alto, Texas, home of the Yellow Jackets, you're going to see that hole, and you're going to see that mound. But there's something else you're going to see, too. A Caddo house. Caddo houses were large. Now, large, it's all relative, right? A whole family could get in there without any problem. It's made of straw, grass. It was made by house builders. Let me say that again. House builders. Remember, specialization of task. Now, if any of you podcast house built, you get the blueprints, you get the, you get the builder, you got the house picked out, you got the lot, you got the loan, everything is good to go. When are you going to start on my new house? We're going to start on your new house tomorrow. Tomorrow. When can I move in? When will my new house be built? Podcaster, answer that question. When will your new house be built? Ready to go. Ready to go. A week? A month? Two months? Answer that question, podcaster. If you were a caddo, when would your new house be ready to move in? When can we move in? All right, here we go, podcasters. They don't know time, but we're going to tell time, okay? The house builder, a specialization of task, is going to get the house builder's specialization of task, and they're going to be on the site that you picked out for your house at sunrise. When does the sun come up? Let's just say 6 a.m. When that sun comes up, they're going to start building. And how are they going to build? They're going to make a hole in the center of where your house is going to be. That's going to be for a fire. They're going to bring poles in, and they're going to dig little holes, and you put those poles in a circle. Someone is going to put a pole in the center. They're going to climb up that pole, and they're going to pull those other poles over and tie them together, leaving a little opening at the top 
for the smoke to get out. They're going to take grass that ties together into bundles, and they're going to put that in using mud to hold it. Here we go. You ready to move in? Noon. Noon. High noon. Low noon. Any noon you want to pick. It's time to move in, people. Sunrise to noon. And what did you do to pay them? Oh, yeah. You made a feast. And the house builders ate a feast, and you're ready to move into your home. Now, if you go to Alto, and you go into one of those houses. I went during the summer. I'm going to say it's August. I went during August. Now, what is the climate in Texas like in August? About high noon. I walked into that house. It was roomy. I've also read by those who know more than I do about it, not only was it cool in the summertime, it was warm in the wintertime. And how long did it take? Half a day. Half a day, people. These were the most advanced Indians in Texas. Three confederacies, over 24 tribes. Another reason that cattle are important, and some would say the most important tribe, is this is where the word Texas comes from. Here we go with another Bachelor of Science. I was growing up, going to school back in the dark days where you had to bring a lighted candle if you wanted to read in class. Charcoal if you're going to take notes. Somewhere I was told the word Texas came from the Tejas Indians. Bachelor of Science degree? No Tejas Indians anywhere. That when the podcast is over, I'm going to name every tribe that was in Texas, every Texas Indian tribe. And you will not see one called Tejas. In my opinion, and you know I'm right, podcasters, I wouldn't give my opinion. No one likes to say these words, I don't know. I don't know. No one likes to say that. I just don't know. You got to have answers for things. So somewhere, at some time, some of the Texas students ask a Texas history teacher, where did the word Texas come from? Now this Texas history student either had been told this or read this in some book that should have been tabled should have been named Bachelor of Science History. That there was a tribe named Tejas. And Tejas meant friendly. Friendly. They were the friendly Indians. Now I'm going to tell you where it came from. And I think when you see where it came from, you can understand how these Tejas Indians got mixed up like a different tribe. I can now understand where that tribe came from. So this is it. In the Hacienda Confederacy, that was one of the Confederacy, had the Hacienda, the Caddo, and the Nekadish. And the Hacienda Confederacy, there was a word, Tatius. Tatius. And that word, I'm going to spell it for you, and then you're going to get to hear my East Texas accent telling it again. T-A-Y-S-H-A-S. Tatius. Say it any way you want, you're probably going to get it correct. 
That was a word among the Caddo in the Cena Confederacy that meant friends. We are friends. We are allies. When conquistadors and Spaniards came up into the East Texas areas, all of the Indians call themselves the people or the real human beings. They're making maps. Who lives along the Sabine River? Well, you got to write something down. And so, this word, this word that meant friendship, allies, the Tatius, Tatius, they would write Tatius there. So when you come up there, you're in the land of the friendly Indians, the allies, Tatius. And eventually, Tatius becomes Texas. That's where the word Texas comes from, which we all love so dearly. Now, what do they look like? They were well-built. Their hairstyle was one of two, your, your choice. One was a mohawk. That's what I called it, a mohawk. You know what that is. And the other one is where they cut their hair short all around their head, but in the very center of the head, they let the hair grow. And I mean let it grow all the way to the ground, and they would wear it in bundles. They would do that. When they went to war, not only would they run away and cry a lot and all of that, but they would also sometimes bring back captives, which they would tie up and have them facing the sun. No food, no water. At noon, they would turn them around so they could face the sun as it was setting. At night, they'd take them into a lodge, give them some food, and it took them a long time to die. It's called torture. Were they cannibals? These advanced Indians, were they cannibals? Yes. Yes. And the part of the human body they preferred, idelicy, the tongue, the tongue roasted, the blood, the blood warmed. These were the Caddo people, the most advanced Indians. And what was their religion? Their God was the Creator, or the Son. You gotta have the Creator, and you gotta have the Son. They also had a leader. And this political leader, here's another word, I've never learned how to pronounce this, so I'm gonna do it my way, and then I'm gonna spell it for you, and you do it the correct way. I see this. I'm gonna spell it for you. X-I-N-E-S-I. Say that in Spanish, and that would be the correct way to pronounce that word. That was a leader, the political leader. All right, now hang on, podcasters. Hang on. I'm going to tell you about their religion. And I want you to remember, everything is for survival. And before I tell you this, I want you to think about something. You think about religions. They make sense. Perfectly sensible? No. That's why it's a religion. Religion's different. Just remember that. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Among the Caddo, the Creator, their God, their Son, thought enough of the Caddo 
that he sent two small boys to each of the Caddo Confederacy. And here I got to admit, I'm guessing, because we don't know if we had this in every tribe, every, but we do know they had these two small boys, whether they were in every tribe or each confederacy, we don't know. But we got two small boys. How small were they? Oh, my gosh, people. I have never met one of them. But what I'm going to tell you, I'm thinking these small little boys sent from their creator would have been about, oh, my gosh, toddlers. Toddlers. All right, let's go a little bit. Let's say three or four. Three or four. Three or four years old, okay? And you never saw them. The Caddo never saw them. And where did they live? They lived in a little bitty house about the size of a doghouse. A doghouse. And where that doghouse was, was near the grass home of one of the political leaders. This man here had the unique ability, and unique means the only one, the only Caddo, that could understand these two little boys. And so these two little boys were sent by their creator to help guide the Caddo through everyday life. We could all use help, couldn't we? And so from time to time, if there had not been rain for a while, and the corn's got to be harvested soon, but we need some rain, find out why. And so the Caddo, who could understand the two little boys, would get down on his hands and knees, because this is a little boy house, and he would crawl in, and you could stand outside, but no one could see the little boys, except the leader that went in. And you could hear. Now, podcasters, when you go see friends, neighbors, relatives, and they have little boys and girls that are about three, two years old, how do you talk to them? You talk to them like a public accountant, tell them what your monetary future is like, and how do you talk what we call baby talk? You need to talk a little baby talk? How old are we? How old? How many fingers are we old? How many fingers are we old? The caddo that went in that little house to talk to two little boys talked the same way. What we would call baby talk, baby caddo talk. Having never done that, I would just try to give you an example. Caddo leader who's talking to the little boy. What does daddy want us to do? What does your daddy want us to do? You hang on, caddo. You could hear one of the boys answer. But what the little boy sounded like was the cat that just crawled in there trying to disguise his voice. Something like this. Daddy wants cat to build you a new house. And then that Indian would crawl out and he'd look at the cat and say, did you hear that? Huh? Creator wants you to build me a new house. When? Let me ask. Crawl back in. When did Dad want you? Tomorrow. 
Fall back out. You hear that? New house tomorrow. New house tomorrow. What happens if we don't do it? You don't want to know. You don't want to know. You think this drought's bad? No, no. You do this, people. And if you do this, that drought will end. You make me happy. That seemed to be what the Creator wanted more than anything else when sending messages through his two little boys that their job, their number one job, and their only job was for the cattle to make sure this leader was happy and content in every way. Now, when I was young, my brother and I and my cousin would go out into the pastures and we would hunt for arrowheads. Now, I'm going to tell you something about arrowheads right now, and then I'm going to tell you something else in just a few minutes. Podcasters, we gone looking for arrowheads. We went looking for arrowheads. Never found one. We found some flint that had been chipped. Never found one. I have a friend that has found hundreds of arrowheads. He told me what I was doing wrong. And so if you want to find arrowheads, I'm going to tell you what to do. First off, where you're going to look is where the Indians would have camped, near water. Perhaps on a little high ground, near water. And when you go, after a heavy rain, or if they're building a new road, and they pull it in there with the bulldozers and everything. They're digging those arrowheads up. The rain is washing them from the, from the soil. You go down there then you'll find them. That's what my friend said. I have no reason. So, right. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Can you name one law you don't like? Just one. I don't want three or four. Can you name one law that you don't like? And you can't understand why that law is the law. But you know what it is, podcasters? That's the law. That's the law. So this is what I've been told by one who knows much more about this than I do. In fact, I'll tell you who he was. He was at Kilgore College, a friend of mine. He was taught archaeology in anthropology. And this is what he told me. I'm going to remind you, do you have to agree with the laws? What if you get pulled over by a police officer and he is saying that you were going 85 in a 75 and you say, yes, I know, but you understand that's because 75 is too slow for this stretch of highway. Does that get you out of every ticket? It doesn't matter whether you agree with the law. The law is the law. Now, you don't want to emphasize that. So here is the law as understanding if you go arrowhead hunting. If it's on top of the ground, it's yours. Pick it up. Now, if you're on somebody's land, you better get permission. If it's on top of the ground, it's yours. You can have it. Go home, whatever you want to do with it. But if you got a shovel and you're digging that stuff up, you can be arrested and fined, my friend, because the law is if it's beneath the ground, I don't care whose land it's on, it belongs to the state of Texas. I'm going to say that again. 
if the arrowhead, the spearhead, the pottery is on top of the ground, you can have it. Again, make sure that the landowner agrees with this. But you go out there with a shovel and you dig up any and you find it is belongs to the state and you can be in very serious trouble. If you find an arrowhead in the East Texas area, I'm going to tell you how to answer two questions. One of what tribe it was. Caddo. Caddo. Who lived here? Caddo. Were there a lot of them? Oh, yeah, there were a lot of them. So, given the chances, oh, yeah, that's Caddo. That's Caddo. How old is it? Hang on, podcasters. You know what a perfect arrowhead looks like? The closer to perfection that that arrowhead is, the older it is. The closer to perfection, the perfect, oh, this is a beautiful arrowhead, and it's just picture perfect. It is old. It's prehistoric. When it looks like it was made by an eighth grader, but really was not caring a whole lot about making that arrowhead, 1600s, 1700s, why? When those arrowheads were the only weapons they had for hunting and for war, they knew how to do it. That was it. They were masters. But then, as the Spanish come and the French come, and they start getting new weapons like muskets, they didn't work on those arrowheads as much. And so the arrowheads, the Indians and the arrowheads, they lost their ability to make perfection. And so the closer to perfection it is, the older the arrowhead is. Okay? So you go arrowhead hunting now, and that's how you're going to find them. These Indians, as I said, cried all the time. But I'm going to go back to when my brother and I and a few others were out looking for arrowheads many years ago. Never found one. Well, i got to confess, the only arrowhead I ever found podcast was in a 1983 Chevy Stepside pickup I bought in Kilgore. In the bed of that pickup truck was an arrowhead. So I assume where you find arrowheads is you go out and find used pickup trucks and look in there. One other. I was walking home one day in Joinerville, Texas, and I looked down and there was an arrowhead. I figured somebody dropped it. That's it. That's all that I've done. But when we went out there looking for those arrowheads, there was a hill. See, I didn't know anything about the law that I just told you about. We went out there with shovels. So we're going to dig down to find arrowheads. We went to dig down to try to find an Indian grave. Hang on, podcasters, and I don't want this to leave this podcaster, understand? Do not allow it to leave this podcaster. We hit something with our shovels. It sounded like wood. Now, what would be underground made of wood? A coffin. There was no indication that this was a cemetery. No headstones, no fence, no nothing. So we stopped digging. We never told anyone about that. 
You know what, Pie Custer? When Cato died, when Cato died, they had Undertaker's funeral, they had all of it, people. They also had coffin makers. They would build a wooden coffin for the deceased. And a funeral home. And so when that was time for burial, then all the Caddo who knew this deceased Caddo would come in. And of course, because they cried, they were really crying now, boo-hooing everywhere. And then there's a funeral director, and he stands up there behind the coffin with the deceased Caddo in it. And he tells the congregation what a great warrior he was. He ran from warriors all over. I tell you, this man was something else. And you want to get into hunting, he was a great hunter, he was a great farmer, he was a great family man, you understand? Great family man, did he raise great kids? Oh, you better believe he did. And he was a husband that any wife would love to have. So you cry because this warrior is gone. So as he are boo-hooing, he would then lean over and he talked to the corpse. You hear him crying? Do you hear what I said? I told them what a great person you were. I told them what a great warrior you were. I told them about, and they're crying because I hate to see you go. But you have to go. You have to go. You have to go to the other world and take up another life in the other world. You understand? And so when they got through doing all that, they're going to take him out and bury him. And when they took him out to bury him, they would come back a different way because they had problems with ghosts. They had problems with ghosts. And as they buried this deceased Caddo, some of the warriors would take their bows and arrows and they'd shoot them up in the heavens. That was to awaken the gatekeeper. Because apparently the gatekeeper to the other world often slept a lot. When they got firearms, they would shoot up in these clouds to awaken the gatekeeper. Now, before you took him out to bury him, if you were in that congregation and you wanted to send a message to his deceased relative or a friend, you could do that. You could go up to the coffin and walk around and move your hands over, not touching, but over the deceased and give them messages to deliver to a loved one. When you get to the other world, go to Eagle Feather and tell Eagle Feather, I really do appreciate that bow and arrow that I got when he died. I really do. You could send messages to other dead when you did that. And so these were the Caddo people. They were the ones that lived in the East Texas area. They were the most advanced, and that is where the word Texas comes from. Now, that's going to be it for the Caddo, the important leaders. And I hope you can see a few things that were a little bit different from them than the others. And I'm going to tell you the next group we're going to do. The Kiowa, K-I-O-W-A, the Kiowa, and then the Comanche. And if I had to pick out favorites, these would be my favorites. But you just hang on to your podcast, people, because we're going to do the Kiowa and we're going to do the Comanche. Now, I hope you had a good lecture. I hope you enjoyed it. And I will talk to you on the next podcast. 
If you're driving, drive safely. Have a good afternoon. Bye-bye. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah, 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 hey, yeah.